Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. Don't forget to follow the show on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast along with following the social media handle at JTime Sports. I repeat, at JTime Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Now, in today's episode, we'll be talking about the NBA and what's going down there. We'll be talking about the NFL. We will have Major League Baseball, and we will discuss the WNBA and our best for last. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back on the new Monday editions of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. Uh, we did Fridays for a little over a year, then we shifted to a little two years actually, then we shifted to Saturdays, now we're on Mondays for now. Uh, any scheduling changes, of course, you guys will be the first to know. Mondays for a little better uh, reaction right after the weekend, prior to the NBA games tipping off. So we're going to try to rock out with Monday a little bit longer. If something edits or something has to change, of course, we'll tell you guys what you guys know. So you're apprised of all information, especially with the NFL season not happening right now. Uh, going on a Monday is a little bit, you know, the days are flexible. You know, I don't have to go to Monday. I can go on Wednesday. You know, as long as the show goes out after the games on the night before and before the games the night after, the days are flexible. But, of course, you guys will stay apprised of any information as far as scheduling changes when we're going to put shows out, et cetera, et cetera. You guys will know that. You guys have to know that. Otherwise, how should you listen and get the best sports knowledge that you're going to get anywhere? If you don't have that information, if you don't know what's going to come out, you could be getting Tuesday information on a Thursday. Well, that information two days old. Things may have changed, updated, et cetera. But I would like for you guys to get as much information as possible. So right now, we're going to rock out on Mondays. Again, if something changes, we will definitely let you guys know. But enough of that business, enough of that mumbo jumbo. Let's jump right into the NBA. Um, it is playoff basketball time. Well, okay. That's that's a little bit disingenuous. It is actually play-in basketball time. And as a Pelicans fan, round of applause for my Pelicans making the ninth seed, therefore qualifying in the play-in tournament. And even better, hosting the first round playing tournament game. Now, it's not as great as being the sixth seed, obviously. We don't have to worry about this mess. Or the seventh seed, even, for hosting the first round playing game, only having to win that one. Or even the eighth seed, for having to win the game on the road and you're in. Or you get the second chance at it, hosting the, the second game. We get it. But it's not the 10th seed. It ain't the 10th seed. Because the 10th seed, you go on the road to win two games on the road. And you're already a 10th seed, so you're probably not the best team anyway. But let's take a gander at the NBA standings as they finished in the regular season. Now, of course, these officially can look different depending on how the playing tournament goes. But based on the traditional NBA standings that we've known every year pre-bubble, this is how the standings ended. Out East, we have the Heat, the Celtics, the Bucks, the 76ers, the Raptors, and the Bulls. Now, 
in those six teams are in the playoffs. They do not have to deal with the playing tournament mumbo jumbo. As you know, the playing tournaments only seven through ten. Uh, those teams one through six do not have to deal with it. Also, for the teams in the one through six, teams three through six, know who their first round opponent is. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks being the three seed will play the six seed Chicago Bulls, and the four seed Philadelphia 76ers will play the five seed Toronto Raptors. The one seed Miami Heat and the two seed Boston Celtics are awaiting the result of the play-in tournament. The Celtics will know their opponent first, as the winner of the Nets and the Cavs game will get the seven seed, locking them in to play the Boston Celtics. While the loser of the Nets and the Cavs game will play the winner of the 9C Hawks and the 10C Charlotte Hornets in order for the right to play the Miami Heat in the first round as officially would be the 8th seed. Now we're going to shift to the West. We have the 64 win number one seed Suns, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Golden State Warriors, the Dallas Mavericks, the Utah Jazz, and the Denver Nuggets. Now, those six organizations, just like in the East, they're safe. They have nothing to worry about. They don't have to deal with a playing tournament, none of that BS. They are in the playoffs. They are in the field of 16. And, of course, three through six know their opponents. The Warriors will face off against the Nuggets in the first round, while the Dallas Mavericks will face off against the Utah Jazz in the first round. And, of course, the Suns and the Grizzlies are waiting the result of the Western Conference playing tournament. With the Grizzlies knowing their opponent first as they will face the winner of the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Clippers. And the Phoenix Suns will face the winner of the game between the loser of the Timberwolves and the Clippers and the winner of the Pelicans 9th seed and the 10th seed Spurs. Now, looking at this, the person, the people rather, I do not want to be the Grizzlies and the Celtics. Because that seven seed is going to face somebody in a pissed off dogfight of a mood. If you're the Celtics, you may very well end up playing Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the first round of the playoffs. Working all year, coming back from where they came back from, dealing with what they dealt with, brand new coach. Coach basically abandoned him and going to the front office. You're dealing with injuries, you're dealing with chemistry issues, rumors, stories are plenty. And your reward for overcoming all that being the second best team in your conference is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's honestly, that's a, that's a little bit depressing if you're a Kevin Durant, if you're a Boston Celtics fan, that you work all year, you work all season, your team is finally starting to believe in their head coach, you get a lot of that mumbo jumbo out of the building, and your reward for leading such a great season and overcoming so much and inspiring your fan base is that you get the, you get the joy of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving seven times in two weeks. Or, correction, having to beat Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving four times in two weeks. Oh, what fun the playoffs is. Um, for the Boston Celtics, that's a pretty unenvious position to be in. And if you're the Memphis Grizzlies, you may be in an even worse position. Hear me out. The Minnesota Timberwolves are a bad matchup for the Grizzlies. Why? Because Minnesota has that same scrappy, we don't give a bleep who you are. We're going to fight. We're going to battle. And they've got something that the Grizzlies do not have called Anthony Towns. Now, Anthony Edwards can be kind of canceled out by John Morant. But that big dog cat, that's a battle. That's a battle maybe the Grizzlies do not want to see. But let's say you somehow, the Grizzlies don't win that game and the Clippers beats them. 
Now the best player on the floor becomes Paul George, and the Clippers have that same attitude. We don't give a bleep who you are. We're going to scratch, fight, claw, kick, scream, bite off your kneecap, whatever it takes to win the game, especially in the playoffs. So I do not envy being those seven seeds. Even those, you know, second seeds, rather. Even those first seeds can't be sitting back on their laurels because if that team would have played them in the first seed, they would have had to, at minimum, win the last game. I mean, the two seed does too, but it's more likely that a nine or a 10 seed wins back-to-back than it is that a seven seed or an eight seed drops the first one, recovers within a day or two, and picks up a very important win, the biggest one of their season. Um, it is absolutely going to be a great playing tournament. I'm just looking at a few potential matchups. Like I said, Nets, Celtics. What if we end up with Hawks, Heat? Um, for the 1A matchup, the Hawks with Trey Young, who led the league in total points and total rebounds. Uh, first player ever to do both, to do that both in college and the NBA. And then if you look at, uh, like I said, we spoke about Timberwolves and um, Grizzlies or Clippers and Grizzlies. What about Pelicans and Suns? Look, I know it ain't the most interesting thing on paper, but that is a very interesting battle. You got Jonas Valanciunas with DeAndre Aiden. Um, Pelicans play a little big in comparison to the Phoenix Suns, so Phoenix will be able to spread them out. But conversely, Pelicans shoot at a bang inside. So that would be a very intriguing matchup along with the potential that you get a Spurs against a Phoenix Suns. What? I mean, talent-wise, it's not close. The best player on the floor is a Sun. The second best player on the floor is a son. The third best player on the floor is probably a son. And if he's not the third best player, he's the fourth best player. So, talent-wise, no contest. But, Greg Popovich has pulled a rabbit out of the hat this season. Um, similar to what really Willie Green rather did with the New Orleans Pelicans. Pull rabbits out of the hat. Um, neither team had a star on it. The Pelicans superstar, obviously, Zion Williamson has not stepped on the floor this season. And the San Antonio Spurs superstar retired about five, six years ago with Tim Duncan. So they have both been scrambling and doing a lot of work without a singular star. And so kudos to both coaches. Both coaches will give Monty Williams, who's an excellent coach himself, a fit in terms of trying to figure out how to just flat out dismantle them. Um, but that is going to be something we're going to keep our eye on. Definitely there. Playing tournament is this week. So we should be in, we'll be in the playoffs um, by the time this show comes on again. We'll be in the playoffs. Uh, so very interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, I'm going to pick the playing teams. I'll ease. I'm going to go Nets and Hawks. Um, I think the Hawks are going to beat the Hornets. Turn around beat the Cavs. And I think the Nets are going to beat the Cavs. So I got Hawks and Hornets, uh, Nets being the seventh seed and getting the Celtics, and then the Hawks moving up one spot to the eighth seed and drawing the Miami Heat. And then out west, I have the Clippers and the Pelicans. Now this could be more heart overhead. I admit that this could be very much more heart overhead. But hear me out. The reason why it's heart is because I'm thinking of my fandom. If the Clippers beat the Timberwolves, the Clippers slide into the seventh, which means the Timberwolves will have to play New Orleans, which New Orleans will be, at that point, playing for eighth. I believe that the Pelicans have the ability to really make a difference on the glass against a Phoenix Suns-type team. Um, And so that'd be an interesting series. 
along with uh, the seven seed Los Angeles Clippers will be very interesting against the Warriors. But like I said, I'm picking hard overhead here. Um, when it comes down to it, I think the Pelicans have a better chance of beating the Timberwolves than, than they do beating the Clippers. Because beating the Timberwolves requires you really guarding two people. And that is um, Carl Anthony Towns and um, honestly, and supporting cast. But and Anthony Edwards is the um, other guy you really have to focus a body on at all times. Whether that's boxing out, whether that is sitting on the bench, whether that is eating a hot dog from a hot dog stand. Uh, Anthony Edwards is one of those guys where you have to be right up next to and in front of him in order for him to not consider shooting the basketball. So that is the situation that the NBA lies in in terms of standings. But up next, we're going to shift. We're going to stay in the NBA, but obviously we're going to shift to a little news topic. So Frank Vogel, uh, Los Angeles Lakers head coach Frank Vogel, has been officially relieved of his duties. Um, This occurred after me and Wolves tweeted yesterday that this would happen. And and not Palenka, rather. um, Frank Vogel said after the game that he hadn't heard bleep in regards to his job security. And he was going to continue to perform his duties as well he knew them. Well, today he heard something. Um, Frank Vogel was not the issue in LA. Nope. You cannot look at Frank Vogel and say, man, if we had a better coach, we would win. Because of perfect honesty, he was coaching a pretty lousy roster. We had the utmost faith in LeBron and Davis and Russell Westbrook to do something with it. But in the grand scheme of life, that's a pretty rotten roster. They're old. They're slow. The defenders are not old and slow. So it's really hard for them to get out and, you know, defend. Um, they also weren't making shots. Uh, Russ Westbrook became an absolute disaster overnight. It was just an honestly a rough situation for anyone to try to coach. You were asking a coach to wheel in LeBron James. Not healthy. LeBron James played 56 out of 82 games. Um, had a great year in those 56, but it's 56 out of 82. What is Frankie V supposed to do? Anthony Davis played what, 45? Well, Russell Westbrook played every game. Officially, he played 78, but he played every game. Um, they rested him one game, right? It was right after he had a turnover stretch, one of his bad ones, and it was an issue. Rust the problem, rust the problem. So, I don't know if it was a mutual decision. I don't know if it was management trying to say Russ from the media. Russ saying, F y'all, watch it without me. I don't know what happened. But Russ randomly sat um, in the middle. He's like randomly sat in the middle of the season. It was had like no context. He just sat down. Honestly, it was really weird. Um, Lakers lost. And so uh, Russ came right on back. There was, And then... Played every game of the season until the last three. But you never got them together. They've Out of 82 potential games, they played 21 together. Update, they won 11 out of 10. So they carried that over 82-game season. You're looking at sixth seed right now. Fifth seed, sixth, fifth seed, somewhere in there. Easily, at least in the playing tournament. And potentially in the playoffs, all right. They never got a chance at it. That's why you hear guys like Anthony Davis saying, let's run it back. Let's just, let's just see. We, I mean, we never got a chance at it. Let's run it back and see if we can, if with if health permitting, we can run this MF back. 
Now, of course, um, with Frank Vogel being let go, names started starting to swirl. Uh, Nick Nurse from Toronto. The Lakers throw $12 million a year at him or something insane like that when he leaves Toronto to go to the Lakers. Uh, you hear Doc Rivers. Um, if Philly flames out second round again, does Doc decide, I'm going to go to LA? I'm, I, I love the Clippers. Um, Genie Bus. I almost called it Jerry Bus. I'm watching Winning Time now. Um, amazing show, by the way. Hell of a job, HBO Max, on that one. Um, there's Genie Bus go to Doc Rivers and say, Look, you've been in LA before. We'll give you $10 million a year. Come be Coastal Lakers. You can hire your own staff. Basketball is yours. Whatever you got to do. But you come to the Lakers. Here's $10 million a year. You go to Staples Center, but you go to the real locker room, not the Clippers locker room. Um, and another name is Quinn Snyder. That team in Utah, I believe, has hit its ceiling. And I believe the fate of the organization was sealed in two moves. One, you gave Rudy Gobert that $205 million. No way on all of them test the market. Go. We'll match whatever you go get. Go. If you go out there and find some sucker that gives you a max, we'll match it, F it, whatever. But I think they were bidding against themselves. Um... At one point, he said he wouldn't play anything less than the Supermax. He kind of backed off that and played for the regular Max. But I would let him go. I will let him figure it out. I don't know a team that would have gave him more than, what is he making, five years, 205? So he's making 41. I don't know if the team would have gave him more than 30. 28. If I'm, a, if I'm an NBA GM, I don't give him more than 25. I don't see it. To me, you got to put the ball in the hole to be worth that kind of money. And he doesn't really score, ever. So it's kind of like he has a random explosion to have a thirty pointer, but he does not. A, he's not. He didn't put the ball in the hole. So I'm not about to pay a guy who's analytically good at defense, even though I see people with my eye test destroy him all the time. Analytically good at defense, two hundred five million dollars a year. I'm not doing it. I don't care what the math says. I don't care. I just the only way is if, like I said, he went out there. Got a max offer for somebody, and I, and I had to say screw it because I couldn't lose a starting center or an all NBA all star level center. But you would have had to go find that deal first. I wouldn't mind just give it to you. And I believe the second move that was the first move made by the front office, the second move also involves Rudy Gobert, but it involves the COVID thing. As you guys all know, I probably have made jokes about Rudy Gobert when COVID was starting to run through, Rudy Gobert infamously. Kind of, I don't know if he remember like a half cough, but he kind of made a noise, and then he starts touching all the mics and saying, "Oh, da, 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 COVID, 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 whatever." Basically mocking COVID. All the forty-eight hours later, he tests positive for COVID, along with a good part of the Jazz, and it sparks the league shutdown um, to prevent the further spread of COVID. Because up until that point, they were playing in the arenas, no mask, no nothing. They were playing regular basketball, like a regular game. COVID was starting. But it's one of those things where I, along with I'm sure many others, treated COVID like the next foreign disease that's supposed to kill us all, but doesn't. Uh, insert Ebola here. Insert H1N1 here. Are there deaths and unfortunate things from this, from these, uh, from these diseases, and especially COVID? Absolutely. But like I said, I, we didn't know. I, I mean, I know many of my people I talk to every day were saying they were treating it like Ebola, like. H1N1, like something that you hear about, but you never actually encounter. Um, remember the Black Plague came back up not too long ago? Like, this is kind of stuff where you see it, but 
it'll never happen to you. Or if it's in America, it's five cases out of what are we, 370 million? So that was something that was, to in my opinion, um, two of the reasons why the organization has split, or the main two reasons why the organization has split, because you put Donovan Mitchell on the other side of the argument. So if one of your max guys and the other one of your max guys are diametrically opposed, something's got to give. Um, if I'm Utah, that something is Rudy Gobert and Quinn Snyder. I prefer to keep Quinn Snyder, but if you got to move him to move Rudy Gobert, then that sacrifice you just got to take. Um, I honestly, if I'm the Jazz, I choose Mitch and Snyder and let Gobert go. Um, I have an odd feeling they're gonna treat, they're gonna choose Gobert and potentially Snyder. Everybody likes Snyder to go see what he's offered, um, see if anybody takes it. But I think that um, Gobert will definitely be seen as part of the future of the Utah Jazz, but Donovan Mitchell will be expensive, uh, albeit uh, replaceable. So that'll be very interesting. Keep our eye on there. But the Lakers have already said that they will have a full, expansive uh, coaching search to find the next head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. Again, following the dismissal, following the dismissal of Frank Vogel, um, and that is following the 17-point comeback, including Austin Reeves with a 36-point monster triple double. I believe it was 36-16 or 31-16 and 10, and then Malik Monk going for like 40. On the same game, coming back on the Denver Nuggets, absolutely spectacular performance by both of them. Um, and it was the last game Coach Vogel will ever coach uh, as a Los Angeles Laker. But, 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 we are in the beautiful season of the NBA. Not only the playing tournament, not only the postseason, but we are in award season. We are in the time where the media gives out awards for players that the players undutably, when they do not win, say that the awards mean nothing to them, although they bring them up inevitably later. Uh, we have in in and long history of this we have lebron has mentioned about awards not particularly mattering then he brings up defensive player of the year with park gasol next to him in an award that admittedly should be in lebron's cabinet not gonna lie mark gasol has lebron james defensive player of the year in his mantle i'm just gonna be perfectly honest with that uh kevin durant has mentioned awards don't necessarily matter but yet he was overwhelmed and overcame with joy when he won his mvp voted on by that same media he said doesn't know jack about basketball um, player awards matter so much to players that when James Harden, I don't know if it's the James Harden rule, but James Seth Curry won an MVP, the players felt so pissy they made up an award show called the Players Awards to vote on their own awards to give James Harden the MVP. I think James Harden is one, he's, he's either the only or one of the two only ever player award MVPs, which by the way, that trophy is going to be worth something massively in years um so don't give me the bs players that awards don't mean anything we bs you were so hurt that the guy you thought should have won mvp didn't you made it a war show like lebron brought up like i said marcus dpoy lebron brought it up why because he believes it should be in his house admittedly i agree but it ain't it's in marcus house so don't give me this crap. So now we're going to talk about award season because that's what it is. MVP of the league. Say his name. Joel Troel Embiid. 
um, of the Philadelphia 76ers. First center since uh, Shaquille O'Neal to in 2000-2001 lead the league in scoring. His team has the fourth best record in the East. Um, he did it for the first half of the season with no Ben Simmons. And James Harden has not played particularly great. And he still had them in the top four seed and won't host the first round. Um, honestly, if it goes to Giannis, it would not shock me. If it goes to Jokic, it would not shock me. This is a pretty close MVP race. First MVP race in a long time where the top three candidates are six foot ten or taller. I think the shortest one is Giannis 6'11. So we have 6'11 Jokic, 6'11 Giannis, and 7'2 Joel Embiid. Uh, three true big men. Like I said, first time in a long time that is the case. Um, it would not shock me to Giannis. He's dominant on both ends of the court. He really came on these last few weeks. He put it on Kevin Durant's scene. He put it on Joel Embiid's scene. Um, he's really came on these last couple of weeks. And so it would not shock me if it's him. And Nikola Jokic is leading every advanced statistic there is pretty much. Uh, PER, darling. Absolutely insane in terms of assists, rebounds, and points. The only player in history with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists in the same season. Which in order to pull that off and play 82 games, you would need to average something like 23, 12, and 5 and a half or something like that. And that's playing 22. That's playing all 82 games. Obviously, no one does does that. They, the amount this year was five, which is the fewest in NBA history playing all 82. So just imagine how much harder that gets the more games the less games you play and think about it his baselines were 2000 1500 you know he could have went 2200 1100 550 560 you know what i'm saying that's more stats you have to compile so it would not shock me at all if it is Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks or Nikola Jokic of the um Denver Nuggets also commonplace not only these guys big they're foreign players Joel Embiid is from South Africa um or Joel Embiid, <laughs> Joel Embiid is from Africa rather he's from Cameroon uh not even mean the country South Africa but the region South Africa but he's from the Cameroon um Giannis the Kumpo obviously is by Greece is from Greece by way of Nigeria and Nikola Jokic is I believe Serbian I believe he's Serbian but he's European either way but I believe he's Serbian um so Absolutely, the the foreign invasion, for lack of better terms, is complete. The three-time MVP candidates are all foreign-born, uh, Eastern European, Eastern Hemisphere guys, uh, Cameroon, Greece by way of Nigeria, and again, I believe Serbia um, are the countries represented at the top of the MVP ladder. Absolutely stacked, but I've got Joel Embiid. Coach of the year, I got Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I'm going to do this quick. There's one stat you need to know. He's 21-2 and two without John Morant. That's all you got to know about his coaching ability and what he did this season. Defensive player of the year. I couldn't give him MVP, so I got to give him this. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo will be the, the, my defensive player of the year this season. Rookie of the year. I battle back and forth with this. Um, I'm going to go with Scotty Barnes. First of all, his team is a fifth seed. Second of all, he has the more consistent ratings and the more consistent games. Uh, Evan Mobley have a great game in the down game. Uh, Kate Cunningham started off really slow. They started alternating his good and bad games. Scotty Barnes was the same level player pretty much all year. And so I've got Scotty Barnes my rookie of the year. And my sixth man of the year is No Limit Hero himself. Uh, Tyler Hero. Somebody cue up the Jack Harlow song. Um, Tyler Hero. 
is the sixth man of the year in the NBA. Now, just a couple of quick notes. Um, the All-NBA teams more likely will feature the dual bigs again with Joel Embiid or Jokic playing forward and the other one playing center. I think it's a bit crap because you didn't have that bailout for other bigs in the past. That bailout just came in. Um, you know, maybe Shaq and David Robinson share a couple All-NBA first teams if David Robinson could be counted as a forward and then Shaq be counted as a center. But unfortunately, that is not the case. And so um, I believe that Embiid and Jokic will dominate um, the All-NBA rankings again. Speaking of All-NBA, will LeBron James make an All-NBA? I believe he had worse. I believe he should make a second team All-NBA. Here's why. Third team at the worst. Here's why. Bradley Beal had an All-NBA selection. He scored more, but had less everything else. Um, and so I just think that um, LeBron deserves to be at least on second team. At third team, if absolute must. And then lastly, we're going to look at a couple of situations. Um, Luca sprained his, strained his calf. We are waiting on MRIs to find out the severity of that calf strain. And everyone in Dallas is hoping for the absolute best. Uh, and to me, at minimum, it's a strain. So you're going to have to be out a week. If he's out a week, that is going to cause issues because um, him being out a week places you right around what game one, maybe even missing game one and game two, depending on how the schedule falls. Um, more than likely, it's three weeks, four. That's a series. And I'm sorry, but I don't see the Dallas Mavericks beating the Utah Jazz without Luka Doncic for the entire series. That feels like a 4-0, 4-1 situation. Um, so that would be absolutely devastating to the Mavs to have their best year, the highest finish since Dirk was in his heyday um, as a four seed, only to be derailed by a calf strain in the literal last game of the season. That would be absolutely devastating for the Mavericks. Uh, first year head coach Jason Kidd's done a great job, and that would just be a soul crusher. And lastly, and I didn't mean lastly this time, Ben Simmons was shown Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons was shown shooting video by an official Nets account, an official Nets video. Uh, he was in this kind of a hype video of sorts, kind of showing like a practice wrap up, like, oh, getting work in Brooklyn or something of that nature was the um, caption. But Ben was shooting jumpers. He was shooting turnaround jumpers. Uh, he was getting to the rim. It was all one-on-one -on -one individual. It was no team, no scrimmage. But according to Coach Nash, who hasn't been the most reliable of information, um, Ben is working his way back. Others have cooperated the story, so I'm, I'm going to go with it. Uh, that Ben is working his way back, trying to get back on the floor and back into action um, for the start of the playoffs, which will be a major lift to the Brooklyn Nets because you would immediately gain a top three or four defender along with a top five or six playmaker. So that would be absolutely huge for the Brooklyn Nets. But up next, we're going to shift to the NFL and talk about what's going down there.
welcome in to the show um normally i have a little bit more energy and i had an nba segment uh, and, I, and I, i'm sure i'll get it back by the end of this segment um but now isn't the time um we're moving into the nfl and the nfl lost one of their youth one of their young ones uh one of our young ones um and speaking of our i'm speaking this in the football community speaking this in the african-american community Hell, even if you want to break it down as far as the quarterback community, because I played that uh, growing up, you wanted to be a guy like uh, Dwayne Haskins, who went to a major school and starred and, you know, had the final out. I had, I had those dreams, and he was walking around his locker room at 11 um, saying he was going to go to Ohio State. And as a little kid, I think I saw it was 11 earlier. Um, as a little kid in the Ohio State jerseys with the headband on, Walking around saying, I'm going to go I'm gonna go to school here. And he was there. Um, and, of course, I'm talking about um, Dwayne Haskins, um, who tragically was struck by a dump truck. Um, from what I've read and put together, I haven't seen an official article confirming. But the incident was in South Florida. The description matched the incident from WSVN, I believe, was the news station. Um... But he was struck and killed um, this past weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, one of the two. I don't remember. Um, it might have been Sunday. It might have been Sunday, actually. Um, I know I slept in that day. Cause I woke up to the news a little late. I posted a little late, obviously. Um, it hit home. And... and I never met Dwayne Haskins. I, I mean, I, Dwayne Haskins wouldn't have known me from a hole in the wall. I probably would have ran up to him and thought I was some crazy fan, which if I saw him in person, I probably would have been a crazy fan. Um, but it's the worst part of this um, in terms of reporting news, um, in terms of talking about it. This is, this is terrible. And honestly, selfishly, I'm glad it didn't happen today. I wish it never happened at all. Um, you know, that sort of thing. I, it's almost, you, you had your you, you had time to process it. And I think that's what helped a lot of guys in my position. That's what helped, you know, the guys on Fox Sports 1. That's what helped the guys on Big Ten Network. That's what helped the guys on ESPN. That's what helped the guys on CBS, whatever. Those weekday guys, you had time. Now, if you did Sports Center, you didn't have time. You had to process a young man five days older than me losing his life. Um, right when really his life was starting. He's a new father. He had an opportunity this year to reboot his career. Um, a group of teammates, another group that loved him. You know, people talk about Ohio State. He was amazing. He lit up every room with that smile, every interview. Washington, it, just didn't, it didn't work out on the field, sure, but that's what Ron Rivera talked about. He had a really hard time moving off of him because of, he's such a great guy in Pittsburgh. He's such an amazing guy. Um, Chase Claypool was saying, saying April, like, even his last breath, he's asking, is everybody else okay? You know, so I don't know what exactly happened. I'm sure I'll get the details one day. I don't, I'm not, I'm be honest, I'm not going to look for them. I, I don't want to know in a way. 
Um, because as such a, like I said, he's five days older than me. The dude turns would have turned 25 May 3rd. I turned 25 May 8th. I mean, it's insane. When he was a junior in college, I was a junior in college. The year he throws for 4,000 yards, 4,500 yards, 50 touchdowns, eight picks for Ohio State. They smack Michigan in the big game because that's when Michigan decides they were going to play man coverage. So Ohio State crossing routes them to death. <sighs> I was I was in my dorm room. <laughs> I was in my dorm watching this game. I, I actually know that's a lie. I was in my house. I was in my parents' house watching this game because I, I think I was off from work when the kind of game came on. I just it's incomprehensible. And, and and I get the alerts all the time. Oh, NFL Hall of Famer such and such died at seventy. Okay, sad, but okay. NBA legend such and such dies at 85. Long time baseball manager passes away at 82. Okay. 24 weeks. Weeks from his 25th birthday. Less than a month. Like I said, I turned 25 in less than a month. He's five years older than me. And I just. That's it. Prayers. Prayers to the Ohio State family. Prayers to the NFL family, the Steelers, the Washington Commanders. But damn sure prayers to the Haskins family. Um, It, it, it reminds me of a quote. I don't know who said it. It's in a rap. It's in a rap song. Um, I think it's Benny the Butcher, maybe. I don't remember. Um, but it goes. It's something along the lines of, you know, your funeral is too fast if your mother's at it. And I just, it's just terrible. Like I said, he's 20, he was 24 years old. And like Chase Claypool's on, on social media crying, saying that even in his last breath, he was making sure everybody else is okay. Because if that didn't, if that didn't quantify who Dwayne Haskins was, there was nothing else we can do. And the photos and the video of him at 11 saying, I'm going, I'm going to school to Ohio State. And it's just like, he did it. He got to the NFL. He did what he wanted to do. He did what he strove to do. He worked hard to do. I'm not going to sit here and say he wanted to do that. And he, yeah, he wanted to do it. But he had to put the work in to do it, and he got there. And it's just, it's hard. Um, it hit me weird. It hits me at random moments um, that a dude's five days older than me. He's not even somebody who's like five years older than me. He's literally five days older than me. He's no longer with us. Like I said, from what I read, a dump truck hit him. A dump truck struck him on the interstate. Pulled over to the side of the road. Struck by a dump truck. So I'm sure as more details of the case is released, um, there will be updates. And if I if I can do it, um, I'll, I'll do it. But... I just, it's hard, man. It's its definitely hard. Like I said, prayers to the Ohio State family, the Washington Commanders family, the Pittsburgh Steelers family, the NFL family as a whole. Um, and like I said, damn sure prayers um, to the Haskins family. Um, I mean, rough, rough time. Um, rough, rough time for that. 
um absolute prayers to you guys um we're gonna we're gonna shift though um we're gonna shift to it's already even shifting because i have some more nfl stuff i want to talk to you guys about um we're gonna shift to the carolina panthers um because sam donald had an interview sam doesn't talk much uh but he did an interview basically saying that he thinks he's done enough to a be proven as a starter b to not worry about a guy coming in now the starter point he's kind of got um since he joined the league pretty much he's the 19th best quarterback how do i know this because he's 19th in every category pretty much yards per attempt yards completions attempts um he's the 19th best quarterback he's a slightly below average guy there's 32 starters quarterbacks uh he's 19th with a minimum of 1500 throws you know he's a lot of categories he's 19th cbs sports posted an um article i wish i could find it quickly um but it was night it was literally it was insane how many times he was 19 i found it i found it quickly so since 2018 qbs have thrown 1500 passes sam donald is 19th in the following categories winning percentage passer rating completion percentage yards per attempt interception per attempt pass touchdowns per attempt touchdown interception ratio touchdowns per game yards per game he is 19th in all of those categories um he's the 19th best quarterback in football slightly below average with a slightly below average quarterback could you win the super bowl no could you win the playoffs absolutely so sam has the right to be a starter you're already paying up for this year anyway if I'm Carolina, I heavily consider rolling with Sam Donald for another year. Now, the right to not be nervous, nobody has. The, Patrick Mahomes has that right. Josh Allen has that right. Brady. Apparently, Rodgers doesn't because he got nervous as hell when Jordan Love came in. Lamar, Herbert, Kyler. I've got seven. Remember that group of guys I say you wouldn't trade any of them for anybody outside that group unless they're in that group yeah that group don't gotta be nervous it's like it's eight i'd go with herbert kyler lamar rogers brady pat mahomes josh allen that's seven seven or eight i mean off the top of my head those guys no nerves everybody else should be pissing down their leg but that's just that is what the NFL does. It's a competition league. If you're not one of the elites at your position, you can be replaced. And so Sam Donald spoke about that, which again was very interesting because Sam rarely speaks. So that was interesting in and of itself just to hear him talk, um, just to hear him discuss that anyway, um, and how he views himself. Again, he really has does any interviews. So the fact that he gave such a long form one was very intriguing. An update uh, Brian Flores' lawsuit has grown. Uh, former Arizona Cardinals head coach and longtime coordinator Steve Wilkes, along with longtime defensive coordinator Ray Horton, have joined the Brian Flores lawsuit. Now, for a quick recap, Brian Flores is suing the NFL and the NFL teams in a class action lawsuit um, alleging discrimination in hiring practices and the way things are handled um, in job performance in general in job measurement in general basically alleging um that the nfl they stuff like sham interviews paid to tank 
um, violation of the running rule, etc., is being done by the NFL. Well, Brian Flores is on the island by himself for a long time. Hugh Jackson spoke up about how he had seen stuff and that he was paid to tank by Cleveland, but he refused to not join a class action lawsuit. Some consider it because he's coaching at Grambling State and did not want to mess up um, his current gig at Grambling State or put the school in any negative light, although he turned around and tried to hire Art Bryles. So, yeah, maybe not totally um about the school image but steve wilkes was the former arizona head, former arizona cardinals head coach obviously he's an african-american male um and he was brought on when they drafted josh rosen unceremoniously josh rosen was traded and steve wilkes was fired after that first year for the number one draft pick kyla murray who was only preceded in the Cardinals organization by cliff kingsbury why this, why this is a development. Cliff Kingsbury was fired from Texas Tech for not being able to win with Patrick Mahomes. He was fired from Texas Tech, had accepted the USC offensive coordinator job when he, I mean, in my opinion, spur of the moment, took an interview with the Arizona Cardinals. And a couple days later, he's being announced as the coach of the Arizona Cardinals. It's, it's the ultimate fail up. I've rarely seen such a fail up. Um, in my life and he did it going from fired Big 12 coach on a what fifth sixth best team in the Big 12 to OC of the USC Trojans to head coach of the Arizona Cardinals all within six to eight weeks um, it was a very impressive climb for a Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray of course arrives fresh off a of Heisman uh, fresh off a of college ball playoff appearance number one overall pick Steve Wilson alleges that look at how we started and look at how the uh, look at Cliff Kingsbury Cardinals started. They're very, very similar. Yet I got fired and Kingsbury stayed on. Wilkes has a case. Ray Horton is the smoking gun. Ray Horton is the one they needed. If no one else is going to prove it, Ray Horton's going to prove it. And not even Ray Horton. Mike Malarkey is going to prove it. So Ray Horton alleged that he did a sham interview with the Arizona, with the Tennessee Titans, rather, um, in 2016 for their head coach position. By this point, Horton had years of defensive coordinator experience, and he thought he was going in for a real interview. He, but it turns out it was a sham. How is it confirmed to be a sham? Because Mike Malarkey, who ended up getting the job, has told reporters it's been broken that he knew he had the job before the Titans exercised the Rooney Rule. It was to the point where the general manager, when interviewing Malarkey, was confused why they were even holding the interview because he thought it was done already. Like, why are we even interviewing Malarkey? Like, it's his job. Like, why are we even going through this? So that is a smoking gun. That confirms sham interviews. That confirms a clear violation of the Rooney Rule. And that confirms in a systemic in inadequacy in terms of the hiring practice of African-American coaches in the NFL. And personnel members. So Ray Horton joining the lawsuit may have been the thing to save Brian Flores because now he's not on an island alone. Could not have been better news um, for Brian Flores getting that information. But now the moment you've all been waiting for the Justin Time Sports Podcast. Mock draft one. 
We're going to do this one, and we're going to do one more the Monday before the draft. So in two weeks, we're going to do another one. Um, the Monday before the draft, we will do one more um, mock draft. As it sits right now, something of note, two quarterbacks are in this mock draft, and none of them, neither one, gets picked before 20. Um, I think teams, I mean, team may talk themselves into quarterbacks and I may rearrange my mock draft. Obviously, if I start hearing rumblings or something, but this is my mock draft as it sits right now. Um, and we're going to just run through it. We're not really going to break down the players too, too much. We're just going to run through it right now. And like I said, in a couple of weeks, we may end up doing a mock draft. <laughs> uh, excuse me. We, we may end up doing a mock draft special. We may just have the whole NFL segment be the mock draft. We'll see uh, how that goes. But number one overall pick, uh, I've got Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the edge rusher, going to Jacksonville. I have the Detroit Lions picking Derek Stingley, cornerback out of LSU. The Houston Texans select Kayvon Thibodeau, edge out of Oregon. The New York Jets select Ahmad Sauce Gardner, cornerback out of Cincinnati. The New York Giants select Charles, Charles Cross, offensive tackle, Mississippi State. The Carolina Panthers, now this, could, now this could have been the first quarterback, but I decided against it. Select Evan Neal, offensive tackle out of Alabama. The New York Giants, back on the clock, select another tackle, Akeem Okwunu, a tackle out of North Carolina State. Now, them going back-to-back -back tackle um, is maybe not a guarantee. Now, Trent McDuffie, who I have going eight, may end up going here. Or Kyle Hamilton, who I have sliding down the board a little bit, may go here as well. But I'm going to go double tackle here. They get both of their bookends simultaneously. Um, Atlanta Falcons, corner. Go Atlanta Falcons, rather, go corner. Trent McDuffie um, out of Washington. The Seattle Seahawks in their first round pick trade acquired in the Russell Wilson deal. Draft Carl, draft George Carlaf, Carlaftis, edge rusher out of Purdue. The New York Giants in there at Jamal Adams trade with the Seattle Seahawks, New York Jets rather, in their Jamal Adams trade for the Seattle Seahawks. Draft Drake London, wide receiver USC. The Washington Commanders draft Kyle Hamilton. Safety, Notre Dame. The Minnesota Vikings draft Trayvon Walker, edge rush out of Georgia. The Houston Texans, in the 13th pick, acquired in the Deshaun Watson deal. Draft Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama. The Baltimore Ravens select Devontae Wyatt, defensive lineman out of Georgia. The Philadelphia Eagles, in a trade done with the Miami Dolphins, will will draft Nicobe Dean linebacker out of Georgia the New Orleans Saints in the trade they made with the Indianapolis Colts or the pick originally was in it with the Indianapolis Colts draft Garrett Wilson wide receiver out of Ohio State the Los Angeles Chargers draft Bernard Raymond uh, offensive tackle out of Central Michigan the Philadelphia Eagles in a trade they did with the New Orleans Saints draft Tyler Lindenbaum center out of iowa now they have jason kelsey but this is pretty much his last year so maybe linden bond plays guard that kicks back to center 
that's something we'll definitely take a look at that like i said this is rough draft basically rough draft number one we'll lock in a final one in a couple of weeks so if your team's pick doesn't make sense to you or like for instance the giants are doing double tackles that will not happen ever um so and again this is just a rough draft this is just the first one we're definitely going to keep our eye on it um and do another one like i said in two weeks time so look for around the 25th for the official official mic draft this is just a rough draft version but back to the board the new orleans saints draft offensive tackle trevor penning out of northern iowa the pittsburgh steelers take the first quarterback off the board and kenny pickett out of the university of pittsburgh so he didn't have to move he just instead of moved out of his dorm into a nice house the new england patriots try to fix the mistake of nikhil harry and they draft chris olave wide receiver ohio state the green bay packers draft Traylon burks wide receiver out of arkansas the arizona cardinals draft jordan davis defensive lineman out of georgia the dallas cowboys draft devin lloyd linebacker out of utah the Buffalo Bills draft Sky Moore, wide receiver out of Western Michigan. The Tennessee Titans draft Jermaine Johnson II, edge rusher out of Florida State. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers draft Zion Johnson, offensive guard out of Boston College. The Green Bay Packers back on the clock select Kenyon Green, guard, Texas A&M. The Kansas City Chiefs draft Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback out of Clemson the Kansas City Chiefs back on the clock again draft Daxton Hill defensive back out of Michigan the Cincinnati Bengals draft Kair Elam cornerback out of Florida and around out the first round the Detroit Lions select Malik Willis quarterback out of Liberty to be the heir apparent in Detroit so that is my, again, mock draft, rough, rough mock draft number one. Clean it up a little bit, do a little more research, and we'll hit you back in two weeks with a cleaned up mock. But up next, we're going to jump to Major League Baseball and talk about what's going down there. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about Major League Baseball. It is underway. Opening day has occurred. Um, breaking news, the Dodgers are not perfect. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I can already hear you guys now. I can already see my mentions and hear you guys talk about me. But, but Justin, you said this last year. The Dodgers were this amazing team, and then they didn't win. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, I understand. It's fine. I, don't, I, mean, I, I called the Dodgers the greatest team, arguably, ever, talent-wise. And this year, I fell right into it. Oh, this is the greatest lineup I've ever seen. And this team, I don't know anybody beats this team. And, oh, man, the Dodgers, the Dodgers, the Dodgers. Oh, how can anyone beat this team? Oh, God. I said it last year, and the Braves won. <sighs> so I'm saying it this year. The Dodgers are absolutely spectacular. Whether they win, I don't know. But they are not perfect. They definitely have some holes 
that they're gonna have to feel, or they're gonna have to feel rather. Got to clean up the bullpen a little bit, uh, which is the issue last year. Honestly, they bled runs like nobody's business out of the bullpen. They're gonna have to clean that up. Um, and again, it's the same race you played the year you win the title. How do you get Clayton Kershaw to the finish line strong? And all their pitching, really. How do you get your starting pitching to the finish line strong? Because if Kershaw can be 90% of what he is in the regular season, along with the rest of that staff, you've got a chip in, in L.A. I don't know anybody that keeps up with them bat for bat if the pitching is solid for the, you know, for the Dodgers. If they can keep people four runs or less, they're going to win a lot of baseball games. The problem is they're going to bleed a lot of runs out of their bullpen. So they're going to have to figure something out. Um, in LA, out of defense shouldn't be an issue in terms of errors and stuff. That shouldn't be a problem. It just have to be cleaning up the bullpen and not succumbing runs so quickly out of the pen. The Yankees, they can hit. Uh, this this is a Bronx this is a Bronx bomber style team. Unless the Red Sox staff sucks, which I don't think that's the case. So the yeah, Yankees team can rake. Those guys can hit. A huge fan, and I do mean huge fan of the Yankees. I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, but that team can hit. The only negative in Yankee land, Aaron Judge did not get a contract done before Aaron Judge's self-imposed deadline. So he's saying once the season starts, I'm not talking no more. If we don't agree before the season, he's going to go to free agency. It makes life a little difficult because then you open the market up. So now a guy like Aaron Judge could get a lot of money thrown at him. I mean, look at Carlos Correa. He got a three-year, $103 million deal from the Twins. That kind of money may just sit there. $30 million, he may just sit there when you offer $25. Even if it's short-term, he cashes in short-term and then goes gets another big deal. Now, the Yankees, smart negotiation, offered what people in similar positions offered. A guy, $25, $26, $27 million. Yankees offered over seven years, um, make his average about $26.5-ish million, depending on what figure you read. And he said no. I don't know if it's because he wanted to be $30 million a year. I don't know if because he wanted 10 years. Who knows what the reason Aaron Judge said no. That part wasn't reported. But clearly the, the Yankees were not happy because they made it known what the offer was and what he said no to publicly. So... Look, he doesn't have Mookie Betts' resume, and if he's looking to get out, pay, out, looking to out earn Mookie Betts, that's gonna be hard. He doesn't have Mookie's resume, and Mookie's in that 25, 26, 27, 28 million dollar range. So, Judge, if he wants 32, 33, that's gonna be a hard sell. Now, if it's years, years could be interesting because years is interesting. This uh, depend on um depend on how you want to do things as an owner if you say we win two titles win two world series damn the age 39 and 40 years where judge ain't worth it oh well or if you say look i gotta think about the future along with the present and you risk the present to save the future who knows me i'm trying to win like it's similar to the lakers they're trying to hold on to a 2077 first round pick damn that pick if you win two more chips that pick doesn't matter you feel what i'm saying if you're the yankees damn eight years from now like the yankees win championships so in order for you to justify not going win a championship 
is the fact that the pick may be worth, or that eight, nine years from now, he may not be worth it. Cross that bridge when you get there. Figure it out then. Trade him. Do something. But you don't kick the can off the road. For the you don't kick a perfectly good can off the road, knowing because in your head you're thinking that can's gonna be pretty beat up and worthless and not worth what you're paying for it eight years from now. I mean, again, cross that bridge when you get there. It ain't worth it. But we are definitely gonna keep our eye on that situation. As a Yankees fan, that makes me nervous because again, some team, the Twins, the freaking Dodgers at this point, um, the Mets. Um, Seattle seems to want to get their act together. Boston, you know, somebody's gonna pay him, offer him a lot of money. Um, Rangers to try and get him out of New York, and we're gonna have to see if uh, Steinbrenner and the crew are willing to match or exceed that offer. Uh, one thing I want to mention about Los Angeles teams in the Dodgers is Shohei Otani of the Angels. He may be better than he was last year. Which, he's already the greatest two-way player ever. Argue with whoever you want. Because Babe Ruth gets that mantle or gets that kind of accolade of being this amazing uh, two-way player. And he really wasn't that great of a pitcher. And he only pitched like one game once he became a hitter. Or two games once he became a hitter. Like, that two-way legend isn't a thing. Yeah, he pitched at Boston. Wasn't great. That's why he got traded to the Yankees because he wasn't great of a pitcher. Only to find out he's like the, one of the greatest hitters of all time. And all they do is play him behind the plate instead of pitching to the plate. And he probably never leaves Boston. But anything there nor there. It is very possible Shohei Otani is better than he was last season. And that's scary because you already got Mike Trout, who's the best player of a generation. Now you're adding in the best player, two-way player ever, and Shohei Otani. The, the Angels could finally. And I do mean finally make the playoffs. Now it's a long season, 162 games. Who knows what's going to happen? But the city of Angels has something to be proud of. The city of Anaheim has something to be proud of with those Angels. Um, Let's see if they can make some noise. And the World Series champion Atlanta Braves received their very, very beautiful, very massive uh, World Series championship rings. Just a couple note on them. They have the now traditional removable top. Inside that top, it's a mini uh, truest, I believe it's called, ballpark with many LED lights around it to illuminate the ballpark. So if you pop the top off at night, you'll have ballpark lights light up off your hand, um, which is the, I did the I've never seen lights in them. So that's gotta be the first of its kind with the lights inside the ring. Um, it is the rings are 18.71 karat white gold done specifically because the team was started, I believe, in 1871. They have 755 diamonds, which is signifies the amount of home runs Hank Aaron hit uh, 755. Um, there's one pearl on the in each one of the rings because one of the players can't think of the name right now. wore pearls all the time. So each, each ring comes with one pearl. And there's a bunch of other small little details, of course, throughout the championship ring. They're absolutely gorgeous. My goodness, they're beautiful. Um, the removable top is is a great thing. I don't know who started that, but that's a whole other design feature. Because it was just a solid metal, and everything you want to do is on the outside. Well, now with stuff at the removable top, people are putting like the arenas in the in the top. 
Toronto, like they put Truist Park in there. Uh, somebody put a their football. Um, somebody put a basketball arena in there. You know, the removable top is a whole nother feature. Cle- I know the Cavs had the Cavs had the spinning one. They could tap it and spin the top. And then the Laker ring, I remember, came all the way off. I want to say that's the first one removable top. I could be wrong. But, you know, that's a whole other design element with that removable top. And then, of course, the Braves up it this year putting lights in it. Um, so that's just beyond impressive. Kudos to the ring designer and the Atlanta Braves on winning their title. But up next, we're going to touch on the WNBA draft, which is tonight. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about the WNBA draft, which happens tonight. There's some really, really good players in the WNBA draft. Uh, I'm going to go on a little bit of soapbox here. The WNBA needs expansion, and I post about it in the Justin Times Sports Facebook, um, but the WNBA needs expansion. There's 144 players in WNBA. Why? Because there's 12 teams. 12 teams, 12 players, 144. These are the best 144 women in the world, for the most part. There's 108 players trying to join the league via the draft. So, first of all, out of 108, 36 are going to get drafted. Out of those 36, 10 might make a roster opening day. I'll be nice, 15. That means 15 out of 36 draft picks, less than half, are going to make a roster. And there's no way for them to go play in America. Besides, I think Athletes Unlimited won't play during the season, might play during the season, and then get their bodies ready and have their agents calling uh, foreign clubs, trying to get them in, in a Russia, well not in Russia right now, in a China, in a Europe, um, somewhere like that, trying to get them in to play. Like, I mean, that's, that's a rough life. And I don't know why the NBA players have to live that life. It's pretty crappy that they do. I think that, you know, four more teams would provide another 48 spots. Now, that would make the draft at that point 64 players. Um, that math may not be right, but 48 players, rather, trying to get in into a league of less than 200. But, hell, that would feel a little better to me because now more veterans can play. Um, and will it be 30 men? Will it be like the NBA? I don't know. But 12 is too small. I believe 20 could be a sweet spot for the league. Um, that'll be 240 players. That'll give plenty of time for vets and stuff like that to play, play their careers out, etc. Um, but the NBA draft is tonight. Good luck to these young ladies not only being drafted, but making a uh, run at making a WNBA career run. So, uh, just looking at some of the big board with the number one pick, it is expected to be Ryan Howard, uh, the guard of Kentucky. She's a three-time All-America, uh, one of the only the ninth player history to ever do that. She can score from everywhere, and she can play defense. Uh, the Atlanta Dream are gonna go get her because 
they made a blockbuster trade to fly up to number one to draft her. Um, she is going to be an Atlanta dream. Some other names to watch out for near the top. Uh, Nalissa Smith, a forward out of Baylor. She's a very good player. Uh, Shakira Austin, a big out of Ole Miss. Uh, Kirsten Bell, guard out of Florida Gulf Coast. Florida Gulf Coast is expected to have a top five pick. She expected to either she's expected to be the first, second guard off the board, um, landing around Indiana's pick. Uh, she doesn't go to Indiana. Maybe she ends up. Um, it should be Indiana. Whether she's there at six or at four depends. But she is going to be in uh, Indiana. Um, she's six one, long wing. She scored twenty three and a half points a game. Um, absolutely spectacular game. Emmy Ingsler, full out of Louisville. She's a great player as well. I'm excited to see her. Uh, she's a defensive wizard. She plays it well. Uh, Satu Sabale, little sister. Nayara Sabale out of Oregon. Um, she's a big, that's going to be a very interesting player as well. Ray Burrell, wing out of Tennessee. Uh, Destiny Henderson, the darling of the NCAA tournament uh, for South Carolina. Could be an ace, which would just be ridiculous. Um, the level of speed and athleticism they would have would be insane. Kristen Williams, guard out of UConn. Um, she did not play great uh, in the tournament, but she had a pretty solid career at UConn. And then Nia Cloudin, of guard out of Michigan State, will round out the top 10 um, just from what expectations are. Um, and then, of course, they have a 12-team first round. So Alyssa Kunane, center out of NC State, uh, could replace Liz Cambage for the Los Angeles Aces. And Veronica Burton um, out of Northwestern uh, guard could, uh, could be a big need for the Connecticut Sun. She's defensive-minded. She's tough. She's scrappy. So that would be interesting for that. But hey, the next wave of the future of basketball is coming in. The next wave of great W players are arriving. Um, so keep your eye on these ladies. They are the future of your sports television. They are the future of this country in terms of who is going to propel the next generation of female hoopers in. It's these ladies. Uh, they don't come with the hype of the three to see. But they are really good ball players and they're going to change the game one step at a time. But that is all we have for today. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Uh, this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.